Welcome to this uh, third episode now, really excited, of the Pixel Drone Show. And today I'm with Haya again, uh, our co-host from Drone Excel. And we're talking drones. We're talking drones. This is what we do every single week. But we're talking specifically about DJI drones. And we're going to be talking about the new drones that are in the lineup. Uh, DJI has a very busy next couple of months coming up with a, a Air S2, Air 2S. I'm sorry, I always get confused with these names. Air 2S and then a Mavic 3 Pro as well. And uh, Haya has all the good stuff, so we're going to be talking in more details. And then Kara is going to join us after this, and we'll be continuing the discussion, talking a little bit more about other manufacturers that are coming up with cool drones and kind of where they fit in the lineup. You know, we know uh, DJI kind of sets the pace for a lot of drones, and, and when they come up with a certain design, everybody seems to be following. But there's a few people in the industry right now that are designing something different, so we'll uh, reach that. So Haya, good to see you again. What's the latest? Thank you, Greg. Yeah, thank you for having me on the show again. Always a pleasure being here. Um, the latest is that, uh, well, let, let's back up a little bit. If we go back to March the 16th, that's for the first time that we uh, wrote about the DJI, DJI Air 2S, which is indeed a, a bit of a confusing name. Um, the drone first show up, showed up in an FCC filing. Uh, every time that DJI launches a new drone, typically the FCC filing gets made public before the drone actually is officially announced or, or even available. And it always gives us a little bit of a sneak preview of what uh, what, what we can expect uh, then of course we also have Osita LV who's uh, been a uh, reliable source and leaker in uh, the last couple of years and he gave us some information saying that this drone would come out in a matter of weeks and that it would possibly carry the 1 over 1.7 inch uh, Sony sensor the IMX 686 um, which would this is rumored, uh, be able to take 64 megapixel photos and uh, shoot 4K video at a, res um, at a uh, 60 frames per second, which would actually be quite, uh, quite the uh, yeah, improvement, if you will. Um, since then, we've heard newer rumors that goes back to March 29th, if I'm not mistaken. And they indicate that maybe for the DJI Air 2S, we might even get a one inch sensor. Now, we don't know for sure if this is the case. However, if it were to have a one inch sensor, you can imagine, I mean, now, now we're getting really, really close to what the original uh, DJI Mavic 2 Pro is able uh, mm -hmm. to do. Uh, a bigger sensor obviously is, uh, is much better for low light performance. So taking video in, in low light conditions or photography, that sensor would, uh, would help quite a bit. Uh, as of today, we don't know for sure if this is going to be the case so take this with a grain of salt is uh, this bit of information uh, what we do know though is that this drone is expected to have OcuSync 3.0 which is yet the next generation of uh, the OcuSync video transmission system the previous drones had uh, 2.0 uh, it's the DJI FPV drone that's the first one that has uh, 3.0 and again here DJI has changed the naming convention so they don't call it the OcuSync system anymore now it's simply called O3 which mm -hmm. As for, for the people that have been around a little longer, uh, I guess we'll still conf uh, refer to as OcuSync 3.0. Um, the DJI Air 2S is also expected to have ADS-B in, which means that if you're flying and there's a helicopter or another manned aircraft in your vicinity, you're gonna, gonna get a warning in your DJI Fly app that tells you, hey, there's an aircraft in the, in the area, so please be aware. Uh, in most cases, I would suggest probably landing your drone would be the smartest thing to do at that point. These warnings, uh, based on my own experience, happen when those aircraft are still pretty far out. So yeah. it's a great system in that sense. Uh, you get enough uh, of, a, of a heads up in order to get your drone safety to the ground so you avoid any 
potential collision or, or incident with a manned aircraft, which of course you want to avoid at all costs. Um, and, and that's this great. Is, that's expected. And this is something that we saw, right, coming on the the Mavic 2, the Mavic Air 2. That was the first time that we saw AirSense. It's that, that's their technology. So, so far, it's been yeah. on the Mavic Air 2 and it has been on the DJI FPV. I think those are the only two drones so far that have that technology, right? Yeah, that's correct. It was back in 2019 in Washington, D.C. that uh, DJI had a special event where they first introduced DJI AirSense and they said that as of January 1st, 2020, all the new drones that weigh more than 250 grams, so this does not include the, uh, the Mini 2, but any drone uh, that's, that's new, weighing more than 250 grams, would get the AirSense technology on board. And uh, back then, DJI said that this is something that we do since we recognize that uh, the drone industry and the drone hobby is growing so fast that we want to make sure that we make these drones as safe as possible. And uh, having a warning system that uh, warns you for any meant aviation that's in your vicinity, of course, is, uh, is a big improvement in that sense. Yeah. Is there any other manufacturers that you know of that are doing this technology or working on it because i haven't really heard from anybody um, else no me neither uh, i don't think in the drone world there's any other company that offers this technology as part of their their safety features for a regular drone i mean if you look at a dji mavic air 2 uh, those drones really aren't all that expensive so to have this kind of technology on board mm -hmm. i think is pretty impressive yep. uh, it also goes to show that dji is trying to be proactive and make the drone hobby as safe as possible which i think considering their size and the number of drones that are out there is uh, is of course a very smart thing to do yep absolutely um, and you, uh, sorry, I cut you off on the AirSense. What, what you were going to say something else about the drone? Um, no, actually, I think we covered most of it. I mean, like I said, there at this point there really isn't that much information available. I mean, we have the FCC filing that gives us a little bit about the. Uh, it shows the battery label basically and the location of the battery label. The battery is pretty much the exact same as it was before, so we're not expecting any major increases in flight time. Uh, if anything, it will probably be around the same, which I think for the DJI Mavic Air two was about. 34 minutes or 33 minutes yeah. so let's say well over half an hour which i think for a drone in that price range and that size uh, is pretty impressive mm -hmm. i would expect the dji air 2s to have similar flight performance um potentially that one in sensor but we don't know that's not confirmed that's only been rumored up to this point if if that's the case then yeah i think it it's kind of changes things within the dji product uh, lineup because at that point you might wonder like why would i even uh, worry about buying a dji mavic uh, 2 pro or mm -hmm. zoom at that point yeah i think the air 2 put a big dent probably on the sales of the mavic 2 pro because other than the sensor and then and the side sensors for uh, for uh, yeah. picking up you know objects, uh, other than that, that's really the the big thing. Oh, well, of course the the change in um, in aperture. To me, as a photographer, videographer, yeah. changing the aperture is still a pretty big deal. Uh, but for most people, it's not. Now let's talk about this naming convention because DJI is making it as confusing as they possibly can. They started with the Mavic. Uh, the Mavic Pro was the first one that they yep. came up with. So that was kind of the, the beginning of the Mavic series. And after this, they decided to add Mavic Mini and then the Mavic Air. I don't remember which one came first. I think the Air maybe came first. And then the yep. Mini came after that. So all of this fell under the Mavic family. You had the Pro, you had the Mini, you had the Air. And then when it came up with the 2, it became a Mavic 2 Pro, Mavic 2 Zoom. And then they had the Mavic... Air 2, it still is a Mavic, right? Technically. 
And when yeah. the Mini came out, the Mini 2 was no longer a Mavic. It's just a, a DJI Mini 2, yeah. right? And then now with the Air, the S, uh, or the 2S, I guess, now we have an Air 2S. The, the Mavic is also gone from that labeling, which I think f makes it extremely confusing for uh, everyone involved. Yeah. I'm, I'm not quite sure what's going on there. I mean, we know that there's been a lot of changes within DJI. The company seems to be shifting more towards a Chinese-centric uh, business model with less influences perhaps from the uh, the Western world, let's say Western Europe and, uh, and North America. Um, I've always understood that the name Mavic would stand for a very mobile portable drone with collapsible arms. So mm -hmm. a drone that you can fold, you can bring it in your backpack. Very, very distinctly different from the Phantom lineup that was a more uh, robust and uh, a larger airframe, if you will. So I thought in that sense, the, the name Mavic really meant something. And I think with the success of the original Mavic Pro, uh, everybody knew what a Mavic would stand for, right? I mean, it's a very recognizable name. So to now see in the FCC filing, uh, the DJI Air 2S show up, which we assume is the successor of the DJI Mavic 2, of Mavic Air 2. <laughs> I see it gets confusing I know already. it does. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it, it makes you wonder, like if, if, if it is indeed a successor and we're going to see a drone with, with foldable arms or foldable legs again, so it's going to look and feel like a Mavic, then why would you drop that name Mavic? And um, it's not the first product. I mean, we've seen it with the uh, Osmo Pockets that now is just a Pocket 2. We've seen it with the Osmo Mobile 4, which is now named the OM4. Um, I'll go down the list. We have OcuSync 3.0, that's now O3, the Mavic Mini, now the Mini 2. Uh, the Mavic Air 2 is going to be the Air 2S. Um, I don't know. I don't know where they're, where they're going with this. The, the best comparison I can make is basically going back to the auto industry. If you look at BMW with their 3 Series, their 5 Series, and their 7 Series, which were the three versions that they uh, had when I, when I was growing up. And now they have a very confusing and complex naming convention for a whole range of different models of cars and it it creates a lot of confusing among a confusion among people because the the benchmark cars that they knew and and the models what they stand what they stood for um i, I think gives people somewhat of a um a structure something to hold on to if you're moving away from the name Mavic, then and you're just calling it the Air 2S, then what does that mean? Is that still a foldable drone? Is that still considered to be a Mavic? Yes or no? Mm -hmm. uh, if the Mavic 3 comes out, how are you going to call that drone? Is that going to be different? I think it creates a lot of confusion, and I'm not sure what the purpose is of, of changing the, these names. I think they might have been better off just keeping things the way they were. Yeah, or or started with the Pro Series and never calling it Mavic, or maybe the Mavic is the only one that's the Pro Series. Yeah, it's it's always been, and even yeah. when the two came out, I remember I kept saying, or I kept seeing people saying the Mavic Pro Two. It was not really the Mavic Pro Two. It was just a new lineup of Mavic, Mavic Two, yeah. and then the Pro after that, and then the Zoom. So, uh, really, really interesting. Yeah, and. And I think also with this one, the uh, the Air 2S coming out, if that drone, uh, and we don't know for sure, but if that drone is going to have a one-inch sensor, then what does that mean for the Mavic 2 Pro <laughs> and the Phantom 4 uh, Pro version 2? I mean, those drones, I think, will become pretty much obsolete, especially at a uh, at a much higher price point. It's going to be hard to justify spending the, the additional money. But then if you go further up the range, then you get to the Inspire 2. And that drone is at this point also quite a bit older. Mm -hmm. uh, I've heard from people within DJI that especially the camera technology on that drone is falling behind. So we have three drones that 
now basically get competition from from below uh, mm-hmm. from lower in the product range from dji and i think all three are very much due for replacements and i'm not sure if we're going to see all three drones replaced i mean in the past we've heard that the phantom line was dead which uh, raised a lot of eyebrows among people as well because the mm-hmm. phantom stood for something it's the iconic dji drone so if we're not going to see a phantom 5 and we are going to see a mavic 3 but the mavic 3 is going to be substantially better than what we're now expecting to see in the air 2s then where does that leave the inspire 3 whenever that drone is going to come out right i mean it's just yep pushing things further and further along. So it's going to be very interesting to see, I think, what kind of products DJI is going to launch in the next year, two years from now. Yeah, because historically, and that this is not just DJI, this is all the manufacturers, you know, they start with a smaller sensor on a, on a smaller lineup, and the more you pay, the bigger sensor you get. And and the more you yep. pay, the more, uh, the more front sensors, back sensors, side sensors you get. And and we get to the point, like you said, with the if the Air 2S has all of these things, or even the Mavic 3 Pro has all of these things, then where do you go next? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of the sensor, yeah. the typical sensor size. So you have your Micro Four Third. Actually, the camera that I'm recording on right here, GH5S, has a Micro Four Third sensor, which is what I have on my Inspire 2 with my X5S camera. And um, yeah. and then you have the APC sensor and then you have a full frame sensor and I mean I guess there is uh, there's another one in between that I'm not remembering right now uh, but yeah where, where does that leave the next lineup I mean are we are we around the corner and I know we don't have the answer you don't have the answer but are we, uh, are we around the corner of having an Inspire that has a full frame sensor that's affordable where you have you know, we talked about Sony before we started the show where you have Sony that is building up mm-hmm. a drone that can carry uh, an A7 III or, or A7 IV um, where you have a full frame sensor and you have all the controls in there. So th- this will be interesting to see what DJI is going to do yeah. with that. Well, it's, it's interesting, right? Because DJI in the past has been accused of uh, dumping products in the US market to basically uh, obliterate the, the competition. Um, I think it goes even further. I mean, and I, I'm not saying anything about whether this is true, yes or no, I don't know. Uh, actually predates my time in the drone industry. But uh, my point being is that DJI is not afraid to f- battle the competition. They're not even afraid to battle their own product lineup, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when the original uh, Mavic Air two was introduced uh you could argue that that at that point in time was basically the best all-around drone at that price point that you could buy within the entire dji product lineup Mm -hmm. and if we're going to end up at a similar uh price point with yet a bigger sensor right now then yeah that's that's disruptive not just even for the competition but even for dji's own product lineup and for instance if you compare that to some of those blue suas drones uh, that are targeted for the uh, defense and government market and, and first responders and, and enterprise customers, those drones are so much more expensive. And you may rightfully wonder if those drones are actually able to do so much more than a very capable drone that you can already get with the uh, Air 2 and soon uh, it seems to be with the Air 2S. So DJI has been, I mean, they're not the biggest drone company for nothing, right? I mean, they've been very aggressive. They keep pushing the envelope. They introduce new technology all the time. And um, I wish we could talk and write about more and, and other drone companies as well. I mean, we always get uh, get called DJI fanboys. Um, I wish that wasn't the case, but it's hard not to be a fan for, of them because they're pushing the envelope so much and they're coming up with, uh, with all these new technologies at prices that are actually affordable for people. And I think that's still, uh, it's impressive. 
and fast. I mean, I remember when the, the yeah. Air 2 was just out because I did we did our deep dive course for that. So I spent a couple of weeks just going over this entire drone. I feel like this was yesterday. And then now we're talking about yeah. the replacement for it. We haven't even had a replacement yet for the Mavic 2 Pro. Uh, and then now we're talking about a replacement with the uh, 2S. Is it possible? Do you, do you yeah. think, can you think that uh, maybe the Air 2S is not a replacement and maybe it's a, you know how they have the enterprise series? You know, Apple mm -hmm. does that. Apple has their iPhone, whatever number it was, and then they had a smaller version, a cheaper version of it. I don't know where that yep. fits in the lineup, but is it, do you think it's a possibility that th this might be happening? Uh, could be. I mean, I think in general, over the last couple of years, it always felt that DJI was looking at Apple in terms of their marketing and the way they present their products and the packaging and, and kind of the branding and image they want to portray. So it wouldn't surprise me if DJI was going to take a page out of uh, Apple's marketing playbook, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, I'm still thinking that this is a, su a successor to the uh, DJI Mavic Air 2. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but I think that that's the most logical uh, next step. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, to be doing that a year down the road from the introduction of the original Air 2 is really fast. We've seen that also with the uh, Mavic Mini and now the Mini 2. Um, DJI in that sense is just, they just keep cranking out new products. And yeah, uh, it gets a lot of people excited. Um, I think it also gets a lot of people very excited about what the Mavic 3 is then going to bring. Because if if the Air 2S is going to be this capable already at, at such a low price point, assuming it's going to be similarly priced to the uh, Air 2, then what is the Mavic 3 going to bring? I mean, how much better can you make it? And at what price point is that going to arrive? So for me, I was actually talking about this in class this morning with my uh, university students. The uh, To me, the next step is the new regulation obviously comes into play at one point. Yeah. The new regulation for flying over people, uh, a categorized drone, category, well, not one in this case, but category two, possibly category three drone. The, the, DJ, the, the manufacturers have to be thinking about this. How are they going to market this? The new regulation is only for part 107 pilots. So you can only fly over people with a categorized drone starting April 21. I'm doing my little speech right here because uh, it's, it's right around the corner and people are confused about this. So start yeah. April 21st, which is in, in 20 days from the day we're recording this, uh, you'll be able to fly over people if you have a category drone, which at the moment we don't have any on the market for category two and category three. So uh, in my head, I'm almost wondering, is DJI about to put out a category drone with a 2S, a Mavic 2, category two with a parachute with prop guards on it? And um, and that's that's kind of a, an upgrade to that uh, that current drone. So I don't know. I'm, again, I'm making I'm making stuff up, but uh, it's going to happen at one point. It, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, in the past, I've heard uh, Adam Lisberg and and Brendan Schumann, both from DJI, talk about how when DJI started and they came out with uh, with their drones, the Phantom, and and how they saw people in different industries take these drones and come up with use cases that these drones were never designed for and never meant to be used for, but people were still using these drones for, for different purposes. So think about uh, roof inspections or wildlife surveys, all kinds of things that, that DJI never envisioned when they first launched these products. With the regulation changing so rapidly now, uh, yes, it would not surprise me at all if DJI was going to launch a Mavic 3, but now is waiting to get more clarity on all these rules uh, to come up with a drone that does not only fit the prosumer 
but also is, is very capable for the enterprise market and for commercial drone operators or part 107 pilots. And I think if you look at it that way, then yeah, you want to make sure that you come up with a drone that's, that's going to be good on the day that you launch it, but also going to be valid for, let's say, the next two, maybe even three years. Yep. Um, so yes, that, that would not surprise me at all. I mean, if I've learned anything uh, in the last couple of years covering DJI is that they're, they're very aggressive. They push the envelope in terms of technology and uh, it seems that they've been listening more and more to their customers and have a increased focus on the enterprise market. And this would fit right in there for them to wait uh, and come up with the perfect product. And we have remote ID as well around the corner. And I'm sure for all the manufacturers, it's on their mind right now. Any drone that comes out, people might be reluctant to want to purchase it if it doesn't have remote ID. You know, remote ID, I know it's a 2023, September 2023, but some people keep their drones for a certain period of time. So uh, we do have the module option to put on top, but I think some people are going to be looking at remote ID as a, as a selling point or as a buying point when they buy a drone yeah. and make sure that it's available. Yeah. Yeah, and I think if you look at uh, what DJI has done, take for instance the Phantom lineup, right? The Phantom 4. I mean, not only did they have a second generation in that specific uh, model, the Phantom 4 uh, 2.0, but if you look at the enterprise versions, they basically extend the product lifecycle by mm -hmm. just creating these dedicated versions for the enterprise markets. And I think you've seen the same with the Mavic 2. Uh, if the Mavic 3 comes out, let's say it comes out this year still, or early 2022, you, you need a drone for the consumer market that's going to be a relevant drone, let's say, for two or three years. But for the enterprise market, you probably need to have another one or two years, maybe even three years for that drone to be a, a relevant product. So mm -hmm. yes, uh, if you look at it that way, remote ID, I think becomes very important. And if I was DJI, I would I would definitely factor that in. Yep. And, and I think DJI of all the manufacturers is probably the furthest away, uh, furthest in for remote ID because they've demonstrated they can do remote ID by using their own technology. They even call it remote ID in the app, which confuses a ton of people. Uh, so if you see that yeah. in your app, by the way, in uh, DJI Go4 and then in, uh, in DJI Fly app, it's not remote ID just yet, but uh, eventually it will be. But they've demonstrated this. Did, were, were you... Uh, have you ever seen a demo of them doing this live uh, of what DJI is doing? Uh, they showed it in Canada. I wasn't there. Uh, Brandon Schulman showed it to me at CES last year, uh, the year before. Um, yeah, uh, he, he gave me a quick demo of it and um, he showed me that how you can use your phone and remote ID the way DDI developed it to basically be able to scan the air and uh, see what drones are in the uh, vicinity. Uh, I think what you were referring to is already built into the app where you can proactively use the DJI's version of remote ID and say, hey, I'm Haya Castello, I'm flying this and this drone, I'm on this and this mission, I'll be in the air here for the next 30 minutes, whatever. And then you can you can make that available. That, like you said, that's not the official FAA version of remote ID uh, at all, but it's it's I think an indication of DJI trying to be proactive and saying okay this is how this might work if we build it into our app. Mm -hmm. Yep. Let's talk about Sony. Sony uh, was in the news a couple, maybe a month ago now, two months, I don't remember. Uh, but they are coming with the Air Peak, which is their version of uh, a combo between. I don't even know how you define this, uh, between an Inspire 2 and a Matri 600, sort of, uh, which is going to be something that can carry an actual camera, uh, an actual mirrorless camera, like a Sony Alpha. Yeah. Um, I was excited when I saw this, but I'm not a Sony person. I'm actually a Panasonic person, so I fly with Panasonic. Uh, I, I record with Panasonic cameras all over my studio. Uh, I hope that Sony is thinking about this as not just... 
a, a platform that can transport a Sony camera, but that you can actually plug in other things into it. What, what have you heard about this drone? What's Because uh, we haven't talked about this together. Yeah, um, if you go back to November last year, uh, November 10th, 2020, I think it's the first time we wrote about it that Sony was going to announce the AirPeak drone uh, for spring 2021, which basically is about now. Um, that was the first mention of it. And then in January of this year, uh, it was officially introduced as their new drone. Um, I think it's super exciting on, on one hand because we know that Sony is able to make uh, photo and video cameras that are very, very capable. So to get a manufacturer with that background and that technology to enter the drone market, I think is super exciting. Uh, however, um, Sony, as far as I know, has little or, or hardly any history basically in developing drones and making drones function well. And if you go back to, what is it, 2016, um, when GoPro launched their uh, Karma, uh, another company that had a great reputation in, in making action cameras, but then when it comes to making those cameras fly with uh, with the means of a drone, it kind of becomes a different ballgame. And mm -hmm. this is, I think, the area where I have most of my question marks with, with Sony's. I don't know how uh, capable Sony would be to come up with a drone that is as user-friendly and as capable as what people are now used to when they fly DJI drones, which basically anybody with a DJI drone, you open the box, you launch the drone, and pretty much anybody can fly it. And it's because DJI yeah, has, has polished the products uh, to the nth degree, basically. Um, I think it's super exciting that Sony is going to enter this market. I'll, I'll be very curious to see how well these drones fly. Um, yeah, they seem to be very serious. I mean, recently I haven't heard anything new uh, from Sony, but if if they make it happen and if this AirPeak drone is capable, then you might have a pretty phenomenal drone there because it's a much bigger drone uh, able to, to carry uh, mirrorless cameras with interchangeable lenses. So in terms of videography, cinematography, photography, uh, yeah, now you have a whole range of possibilities. And I think especially for people that already have Sony cameras and maybe in that case you would only have to buy the drone, uh, it might become a very uh, attractive proposition. So I've been trying. I've been trying to put a, a, a camera, a GH5, even the S7 III, on a drone. And that's not actually an easy feat. If you look at... Uh, if you look at the options out there that you have, so the Matrice 600 is what I've used. Matrice 600, you put a Ronin MX underneath it, and then you attach your Sony camera onto it. Here's the problem. Sony doesn't really talk really well with the, the Ronin, which means actually Kara is coming in and joining us. So I'm going to bring camera Kara in. So uh, let's pick it up where I left off Kara. So my experience was trying to put a mirrorless camera on a drone and be able to control everything on the drone, which is almost nearly impossible today uh, without having an Inspire 2. I fly the Inspire 2 a lot, which I love because you can do dual camera operator. You have full control of the gimbal. You have full control of the drone in itself, which is awesome. But if I want to put this camera that's filming us right now or put a, a Sony camera, I have to go to a Matrice level. So I have a Matrice 600 yeah. with a Ronin MX underneath it. You put this camera on it. The Sony doesn't talk to the Ronin, which means that from the ground, I can't change anything. I can't start and stop my camera. I can't change my aperture. I can't change my settings. I can't do really anything. I can just hit record, take off, 
do my recording. I, I can get a visual uh, of what's playing on the camera, but my experience is it's been extremely painful. Not only that, but now yeah. I don't have dual camera operator. So when I'm moving in one direction with the drone, then the drone is moving with it. And if I'm moving the gimbal in itself, which I can control, when the drone moves in a different location, it also moves the gimbal. Unlike the Inspire 2, when you do dual operator, you can basically fly the Inspire 2 in one location. If you turn to the left or to the right, the camera keeps pointing in the same direction, which is really important when you do a, a cinematography. So at this stage, there, to me, there is no really good solution unless I'm missing something somewhere to carry a mirrorless camera onto a drone and make it work just like an Inspire 2. So I fly the Inspire 2 instead, which is fine. But uh, yeah, Kara, tell us. Well, what I'm wondering is what happened with Free um, FreeFly's Astro Drone. Oh, I don't know. Um, they were, yeah. So I wrote about that, I believe, back in December. And then about two days later, they introduced the Wave camera. And that was another big announcement. Uh, I am in touch with their PR. And the last I heard about a month ago, they hadn't released them yet. And I remember one comment I got on an article talked about how uh, the legs didn't um, fold back up once the aircraft took off. You know, you had the, um, you know what I'm talking about? Yep. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you're when you're trying to do a 360 like the Inspire 2 allows you, wouldn't there be some interference in some sections? Um, you know, you might see the legs or, you know, the landing gear. It doesn't retract. So... I don't know if FreeFly went back um, and made some corrections, but I looked at their website the other day and it looks like they still have the reserve an Astro button on there, the prompt to do that, but they don't have anything else. But I thought that was gonna be uh, the big thing. Um, they also introduced it as being compatible with Sony's A7R4 camera. Um, and I had interviewed Drew Armstrong, great guy. He uh, gave me his wealth of knowledge. Um, and he said the A7S III actually took higher quality video and he was perplexed that FreeFly's Astro um, wasn't compatible yet. And I talked to someone at FreeFly and they said, well, as Sony opens up um, their uh, developers tools to us we can consider that as well so now sony's coming out with the AirPeak drone and yeah there isn't a lot of information out there about it right now but from the looks of it just the brief video that they shared um and some uh introductory information it does look like you can it, it's foldable it's com more compact and it could fit into a backpack which I think is huge. Yeah. Um, I've tried lugging yep. around an Inspire before. It's not fun. You got the hard shell case and it takes up half of the back of my SUV's trunk and very difficult to travel with. Yeah. So if we're talking about a drone where you can put any, and I know Sony's going to open it up to any of their um, cameras. I just covered their visual um, storyteller app for DP review the other day and it, they try to make any product compatible with as many um, cameras in their product line as possible. So if you can do that with a variety of those Sony cameras, I think it's going to be a game changer, um, definitely. And um, yeah, I, I can't personally wait for it to come out. <laughs> I hope they do open it up for other cameras. I was telling Haya earlier, because to me, 
uh, not everybody is going to be flying Sony. Quite frankly, Sony and DJI have a, a pretty tough relationship because anything, if you have a gimbal from DJI and you try to put, put a Sony camera on it, half the things don't work. My, my Panasonic camera, mm-hmm. I put it on an RS2 and I can control everything. The focus, I can, I can change the aperture, I can start, stop, I can do everything yep. I want. Very, very compatible. Sony's not so much. And, and that's been kind of my complaint about Sony with their camera. So I'm hoping that they can open up this thing a little bit. I think it's an API issue, quite frankly. Uh, they're not, or SDK, an SDK issue, I should say. Um, and I'm hoping that they can open this up to other cameras. Man, I would love, I would buy this AirPeak the day that it comes out if I can put my GH5 on it and I have all my lenses and I have all my equipment and you can change any cameras that you want and load it up. Uh, that would be pretty awesome. Just like any gimbals, right? You buy a gimbal these days, you can mm-hmm. put any camera on it. It's not specific to the manufacturer. So we'll see. There's a there's a lot of ifs there, right? I mean, as of yet, uh, I think DJI is probably the only company that does both cameras, lenses, gimbals, and drones, and have everything pretty much uh, combined oh, in man. a way that it becomes seamless and easy to use. And we've seen other companies try and do that, and. In my experience, a lot of them seem to fall short somewhere. I mean, Freefly is a great company for sure. They come out with great products, but maybe they don't have the production capacity to bring out these drones in large enough numbers that people mm-hmm. are, are interested in buying. Um, I, I hope Sony, I mean, with Sony would think that it's a big enough company. They got deep pockets. They have a long history, of course, in cameras, electronics, consumer electronics and whatnot. But still to make a drone that flies uh, and is easy to use, um, it's going to be interesting to see if they can pull that off. And um uh, this drone seems to me it's going to be far more of a high-end drone priced much higher more for dedicated cinematographers and videographers and of course uh, not so much aimed at the consumer market but it's going to be interesting to see how well this drone performs i think wasn't there a price point uh for no no yet okay i'm thinking of another drone. Nope. and information scant information i mean it was bare bones teaser material yeah, which so, i mean yeah. it, it was enough to get people excited but yeah, I mean, you really had to stretch or not use your imagination, but just stretch out as much as possible to make it into an announcement article. Like Sony teased this one minute clip today and it looks like this and that. And yeah, um, and it's spring now. So, I mean, I'm hoping yeah. for maybe a late, late April, at least more information, if not um, a, a concrete release date. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I don't think we're there yeah. yet, but we'll see. Um, no, I'm I'm optimistic. Who else is out there <laughs> with a drone that uh, we're excited about? That's not DJI. Uh, Prism drone from Watts Innovations. Yep, let's talk about that because I, I've seen some uh, videos of that, and I think uh, John McBride from last week was talking about he was going to fly that drone. So, hi, yeah. tell us tell us a little bit more about that drone. Yeah, um, the first time we covered it was back in September last year. I mean, that's that's yet. I mean, if we're talking about an Inspire being a, a drone that's not easy to travel with, I mean, now we're getting into the the drone size that is uh, far more difficult to travel with. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Prism drone from Watts Innovations is a made in the US drone. Uh, it's substantial. It's large. It's it's more comparable, I think, to a Matrice, if not a three hundred, maybe even a six hundred. So it's a much much more, uh, yeah large and and complex drone if you will um i haven't really heard anything recent about them so i'm not quite sure what the latest news is on uh, on this particular model um 
But if you if you look at the Airpeak from Sony, and then you have Freefly, and then you have uh, Watts Innovations, I mean, there are drone companies out there pushing the envelope and coming up with exciting products. I think it's a matter of uh, getting them in our hands and flying them and seeing what they actually are capable of doing. And it'd be uh, it'd be very interesting to see that. And that's that that price point is also much different. Obviously, different market, completely different market. But yeah, uh, he's he's been making waves, and I think it's a pretty small team that is working on on that specific drone with a very specific uh, niche market. But uh, that's American made, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, I'm sure it will have some Chinese made components. I think any electronic product that you uh, put together is hard to do without anything coming from China. But yeah, it's a, it's it's a the drone designed and built here in the United States, which I think is awesome, uh, something to support for sure. What else is on the list of cool and exciting things coming up in the next couple of weeks? What are you guys as journalists, you guys write about this, what are, what are you excited about? <laughs> um, well, I'm excited brings... about something. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh... Hey, I think we have a reason to really be excited these next two weeks. How about that? What is that? I think that's all I can. I think that that's all I can say. Oh, teasing, teasing us. Teasing. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, hey, you know what, though? I love what I do. I don't want to say anymore, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, could we talk about what we hope to see in the in the year? Yeah, I think so. I think. Go ahead, go ahead, Kara. We we talked a little bit about this before you join us, but uh, tell us what are you excited? What 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 would you like to see coming up in terms of new tech? Oh gosh, well I think everyone knows this. It's not a secret, but I love the Phantom body. I love um, the way it holds up in strong winds. Um, it's easy to catch, to hand catch. So if I'm on a boat, I could act, or a narrow space, or just somewhere where there isn't a lot of room i can hand catch it and not a lot of room to land um i'd love to see a phantom 5 with interchangeable lenses um or something with a zoom camera or even a phantom 5 zoom um that can zoom in uh with a one inch sensor up to four to eight times i don't know maybe i'm asking for too much but that's the kind of tech i'm looking forward to yeah. but i could you know, and I want DJI yeah. to use their um, Hasselblad ownership more. And I know that's going to be for professional products and not um, consumer products. But I would like to see um, a lot more DJI products using that color profile, because I think especially for photographers, um, that's something that they really, you know, want to use um, as well. So. Yeah, Phantom 5 for sure would be uh, would be interesting. I mean, Romeo, I think it was a year and a half or maybe two years ago by now, said that the Phantom lineup was dead and that uh, we wouldn't see uh, a new Phantom appear anytime soon or ever for that matter. Um, I would be excited about the Mavic 3 and I'm, I'm really curious what the Mavic 3 is going to be able to do if the DJI at the same time keeps pushing the envelope, uh, going back to the FCC filings for the Air 2S. I mean, if the Air 2S is going to be such a capable drone at such a low price point, then what is the Mavic 3 going to bring us? And if the Mavic 3 is a uh, professional or prosumer drone, is that going to give us interchangeable lenses already? I mean, I would hope so. I know a lot of people would be excited for that. But if that's the case, then yeah, what's going to happen to the Phantom lineup? What's going to happen to the Inspire lineup? And are those drones still relevant at that point? Yeah. So we don't know yet. Yeah. 
that that's no that's a valid point i mean there probably um be a difference in like megapixels or um i mean think of the what the mavic 2 pro offers right now one inch well i'm sorry one inch cmos sensor 20 megapixels Mm -hmm. you can only so what would incentivize you to get a mavic 3 yeah, more you than know, one switch inch. out your Mavic 2 Pro for yeah. Mavic 3. So, so yeah, I mean, you, you got to just think about it yeah. that way. Yeah. Good yeah. zoom lens or interchangeable lenses would do it for me, I think. Interchangeable. So my my prediction is I don't think the Mavic will see an interchangeable lenses for a long time. I, I don't think that, that would cannibalize mm-hmm. the rest of the lineup completely. So I, I think we're not going to be there. But, you know, I mean, for me personally, it's full frame sensor with interchangeable lenses that that to me would kind of do it i love the inspire i love the x5s i don't have an x7 but the x5s with uh with you know even if it's a a smaller sense well a full frame sensor but not that many pixels uh, i think that would uh, kind of change things quite a bit so i see um yeah go ahead go ahead go ahead um i mean when air peak comes out I just think back to when the Mavic Pro was first introduced in September 2016, and that was two weeks after GoPro put out their Karma, right? So when Sony introduces their AirPeak, is DJI going to respond with something similar that's also more compact and can be folded down and could fit into a carry-on at best or um, backpack? I mean that's what we got to think of like how dji reacts almost immediately to any um any real or perceived competition so um that's something to keep in mind as well so do we see an inspire 3 um it wouldn't make sense to cannibalize their product line with a mavic 3 with interchangeable lenses but if they do end up coming out with a third rendition of that drone it Definitely, they they have to give us a reason. Um, What I was going to mention, too, is with the Mini 2 and the first Mavic Air, uh, or the Mavic Air, I loved how um, DJI Fly's app um, basically gave you just all these easy ways to create content, or just the app interface was just really intuitive, so it just gave you... Um, an easy way to create special effects that would normally take um, quite a bit of skill. So I'm, I want to know, I, I'm gonna, it's going to be interesting to see if they use the Fly app to incorporate it into any future models. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Fly app, uh, I'm, I'm kind of torn on the Fly app because I think it's missing some of the things from the GoFor app. Uh, I'm not quite sure that the idea why DJI decided to have two apps, why not? have everything under the go for app i don't know if you guys have more information about this but to me it just makes things yeah. a little bit more confusing just keep it all under one app and then change i don't know I... yeah i i spoke about this with michael olden i spoke about this with uh, michael oldenburg at the launch of the original uh, mavic mini and he said that the architecture and the software coding basically in the go for app uh, became outdated and it became really difficult to introduce new features and make that backwards compatible to older drone models that were also using that same software so they started from scratch with the dji fly app 
uh, and they've been adding more and more features as the app uh, matured, but also with the introduction of new drones. So I think we'll see a slow migration to the DJI Fly app, and uh, I would suspect that the uh, Go 4 app is going to be faded out slowly over time. Kind of like what they did with the Go f- with the Go app initially. You know, when you yeah. flew the Inspire One, you flew with the Go app, and then Go 4, and then okay, interesting. I, I never thought about that. Yeah. I think DJI Fly's app is the future, but when it's used for drones that are professional or catered to more professional users compared to, um, say, people that buy the Mini or the Mavic Air, they're going to definitely have to incorporate more features that that professionals rely on, for sure. I agree. Yeah. And I think I think what we'll see is probably that DJI will do that with the introduction of every next drone. Uh, I mean, if you look at it, the Fly app was introduced with the Mini and now, and then the Air, uh, Air 2, I mean. So if they're working their way up the model lineup, then let's say if the Mavic 3 comes out and they do use the DJI Fly app, I'm sure you would see new features in that app at that point because the, the, the user base would pretty much demand that, just like you pointed out. Mm-hmm. So... I want to shift gears a little bit. We've got uh, we've got probably another ten minutes of of talk time. Ten fit. Well, I mean, we can go as long as we want, really. But uh, keeping it around an hour. Uh, last, the first episode that we did, we were going to talk about the new regulation, but we didn't. And, and it's timely because this episode is going to go live on the day that the uh, new FA exam is going to hit the uh, the FAA website. So I do want to talk a little bit about this because I know a lot of people that are listening are probably confused about what is going on. And, uh, and I want to make that a little bit of a PSA. So on Tuesday, which is when this is going to go live in the morning, when you listen to this, the FAA is releasing their online training and their online training is going to allow you to do two things. It's going to allow you to get current with your certificate. So if you uh, are at the point where you need to get current again, then you can take this exam. It's free. It's available online on fasafety.gov. And this is going to allow you to renew your certificate for another 24 calendar months. In the past, you had to take the UGR exam, which was $160. You had to do it in person. This you can do from home. You can do everything online. So that's great news. And the other thing that it does is it allows you to fly at night and fly at night without a waiver starting on April 21st of this year. So if you take the training, and this is something I want to really emphasize on, if you take the training today, which is the day that we're going live on April 6th, you cannot fly at night without a waiver until April 21st. So make sure that you remember that part. And um, and when you do this, you still need to have lights on your drone flying at night. Uh, if you, I'm going to pitch in my video that I did a couple of weeks ago on those strobe lights, make sure that you have the right strobe lights on your drone. Uh, and we tested seven of them and you can get the right one on our channel. Uh, but it's besides the point. So uh, you have to do that training. You have to do this online training. If you're already certificated, you have to do this online training so that you can fly at night after April 21st. The last thing about this new regulation is there's a new exam. So for those of you that are listening that are not certificated just yet, the FAA is updating the exam and adding more content to it, including all the new regulation. So if you go and take your exam on or after April 6th, 
then you're going to have to make sure that you have all the knowledge necessary to pass these new questions on night operation, on operations over people, and then on uh, night flying. I said that, operation over people, night flying, and then the new renewal process. So you need to know all these things. Remote ID is not on the new exam. So you don't have to worry about remote ID just yet. It's not on the new exam. But don't head to the testing center without being ready for these things because otherwise you're going to have a, a hard time. So I wanted to make sure I did this PSA. Uh, are you guys going to do the online training? Yeah, of course. Um, but to. you know what? As <laughs> yeah. But that being said, um, I just got my, I renewed mine at the end of January because I got my initial back in January 2017. And I, I couldn't go a few months. Um, I think I had five jobs lined up in February alone. So um, it just wasn't worth missing out on that income. Um, but that being said, like Vic Moss points out, if you don't need to get in right away, just don't overlog the system because there might be people that really need to and we don't want to, um, you know, yeah. just knock the power out on it um, so with today, everyone rushing in. We'd, yeah, yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad you mentioned that. Today, April 6th, only go on the website to do the training if you have to renew, if you have to get current with your certificate. Otherwise, wait until tomorrow and the day after. Uh, there's 220,000 remote pilots in the U.S. If everybody goes in, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to destroy the system for sure. So uh, wait a couple of days. I'm hoping some people actually don't know about this and then they figure it out in, in 10 days or so uh, to, to get the training done. But I did the same thing, Kara. You renewed in January. I had to renew mine on March 10. I waited 10 days and then the FAA said, oh, guess what? We're going to push everything. So I was like, well, I really have to do it. Yeah, because I had a bunch of flights to do as well. So, um, so I'm, a, I'm a month renewed. Those, I won't miss those testing centers. Um, <laughs> no, it's strange. I went into one that was completely packed and you don't realize that there's like 20 different tests that are being administered. Mm -hmm. So I had one just specific question um, about it and the guy looked at me he's like i have no idea lady like i'm just here to give you a pencil <laughs> and a folder and you know figure it out yourself and it wasn't about the questions on the test specifically it was just um i can't even remember some miscellaneous question but he looked at me like i was nuts like i i don't even know what test you're taking i'm just here to clock you in and out make sure you know yep just to practice you're not yeah would be uh, quite a coincidence, right? If nighttime operations are going to be uh, allowed for part 107 pilots that uh, maybe at that same time, a drone with a larger sensor would come to the market. <laughs> yep, that would be good timing. That would be a, a smart marketing rumors, person. Rumors, rumors, rumors. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hi, I'm, I'm... you're the king of rumors. <laughs> yes. Ah, we tried. No, he, we he's tried. Good at it. Yeah. Well, wait. No, but is drone drone XL is your baby now, right? I mean, you get to drone XL is my baby. Yeah, and we have we have people within DJI. We have people in China that pass information on. And the latest uh, article we posted last week suggested that we might actually see the Air 2S with a one-inch sensor. Now, again, we don't know for sure. It's not being confirmed. Uh, however, uh, I would get pretty excited about the drone with a larger sensor at that price point for sure. Yeah. I'm excited to be flying at night without 
uh, visual observer. To me, that was the, the biggest yeah. uh, pinching factor because I sometimes, I mean, I, I live close to the middle of nowhere. Prescott is a pretty small town and we have a, a beautiful landscape all around town. And I do light painting. I love to use my drone to paint the rocks and to paint everything. And I take my camera on the ground to do uh, pictures, but I always have to carry someone with me. And I don't really have to. It's in the middle of nowhere. I'm flying at night. I'm flying at 50 feet. There's really no point from a, a safety standpoint in me having a visual yeah. observer. I'm no factor to anyone. So I'm kind of excited to be able to just log my camera, my drone and my back backpack and then go do some light painting in the middle of nowhere and uh, get some cool shots so that's what i'm excited about with this section and of course not having to pay 160 bucks every two years that's also a big plus yep yeah uh let's talk about flying over people for the last few minutes if you have the ability to fly over people what is the thing that you guys as pilots have not been able to do that you're excited that you may be able to do with the new regulation in terms of flying over people? Hmm. I mean, I guess it would be fun when it becomes possible again, who knows how many years with the pandemic, but if they, if and when they ever have a music festival again, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable flying over such a dense crowd maybe, but It'd be cool to fly around the perimeter at least and not worry um, about trouble. Um, but even though some of these videos were illegal, when you saw some of the powerful footage from the um, protests, the George Floyd protests, I mean, there was one guy who in L.A. got in there and was flying over about 100,000 people packed into a street in downtown L.A. And we saw this a few years ago with the Women's March in Austin, Texas. And of course, everyone was, look at that guy. He's flying over tens of thousands of people. And if his drone yeah. falls, you know, he could kill somebody. And I mean, so it, I think it would be nice to be able to um, capture stuff like this and maybe not get such blowback. But the problem is, too, I also read a report of a woman um, who got a lash on her arm from an hotel that fell out of the sky. Maybe the battery died, maybe because they were... Um, downtown in an urban area maybe his um, compass wasn't properly calibrated and he just you know the drone decided to land and it hit someone we don't know but um, but as someone who's trained for it I think it would be exciting to um, get some of these moments um, these historic moments um, as long as you're doing it yep. safely and responsibly you know, without I would uh, I would agree I would agree. I mean, uh, what was it? Portland, I think, where they were, uh, where somebody was, there's a local guy who runs a, uh, a drone business in Portland. I forgot his name right now. But anyway, he was uh, he was flying his drone to record the uh, Black Lives Matter protest, protest. And he was flying parallel with the protesting people, but he was keeping his drone over the buildings that were alongside that street. So he wasn't flying over the people, but at the same time, he was able to record it. So um, that struck me at the time as a, as a smart solution to the problem, basically, that you still get that footage that you're after showing all these crowds, but you're flying in a way that doesn't uh, create a hazard for anybody on the ground. Yep. And make sure, if for those of you that are listening, if you plan to fly over people, uh, that starts April 21st, but it's going to be very limited April 21st, uh, unless... Uh, unless uh, Haya is going to tell us that there's a new category drone coming around the corner, uh, category two or category three, uh, you're not really going to be able to do much. 
Uh, I have a I have a drone that is category one. It actually qualifies as category one that I'm going to be revealing very shortly that I'll be able to use on uh, March on April 21st to fly over people. So I'm pretty excited about this, but it's still going to be limited. So they are still make sure you read the regulation, make sure you're educated as to what you can do. This is not a free for all. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden you can go flying over cars and you can go uh, hovering over uh, the uh, the interstate and all these things. Th those are things you still can do. So make sure you find the right information and uh, well, I have that information on our website but yeah you need to do that pilot Institute always has that's right the most up-to-date and relevant there you go. So. we do I remember when I discovered I Greg and and featured him in DP review that was an exciting moment because I said finally something that's thorough and accurate so thank you I appreciate that that's... yeah <laughs> All right, folks. Well, thanks for joining us for this uh, discussion. I think uh, this was a really good discussion, actually talking about all the different things all the different manufacturers are doing. So as always, you can catch the show on YouTube. You can actually find it on every podcast now. We've been approved with Apple, finally. It took them a little while. So you can find us over there. And uh, leave your comments down in YouTube. If you're watching us on YouTube, leave your comments. Love interacting with you guys. And, uh, and we'll see you next week. We have a good guest lined up for next week. We're excited and we'll be doing this every week with or without guests and talking about the latest going on in uh, the drone world so uh, hi Akira thank you for joining us and uh, we'll see you guys next week